Hello, Mr. Fox. How are you today? Oh, I'm much better now that I had the chance to actually, you know, put some coffee in a cup and prepare to put it um, in a place where I can have caffeine delivery. Oh, I'm not even going to ask where that is. <laughs> I knew. I just set that up for you. I wanted to have a good image for you. Yes. It's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's nine 9.30 in the morning for you, so obviously... Uh, with, uh, I mean, you used to catch a, a reasonably early um, shuttle down to uh, down to your office, but obviously now with the the work from home and everything, you've become um, what's the word I'm after? A lazy bastard, and you're not up very early. Uh, that that's the technical term for it. it it's you know, the reality is that you know part of my morning routine is getting the foul child um, actually out of bed and you know into school. I mean, mercifully they they made the start. An hour later, <clears throat> which makes perfect sense. I mean, there have been study after study after study after study that it's just stupid to try and take an adolescent brain and try and wake it and, and, and teach it at eight in the morning. Um, and so now it's at nine. But then that interrupts with my quality time with my favorite uh, transatlantic co-host. Oh, I didn't know you did another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Again, <laughs> set up well. You're just like full of zingers this morning. Oh, yeah, we're, we're wasted. We're wasted, aren't we, on uh, on, on whoever it is is listening today. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Wait, but that or, would take... Whoever, that, that, or, or probably more appropriately, whoever is listening to today is probably wasted. No, what you meant to say, that, that was like trying to say that our you know unique brand of high high production values and, and useful content is wasted on the, the, the poor half-listeners. That's the sign today. I don't think you should say that. I think we should lift up and celebrate our half-listener. We will. So how are we going to celebrate this week? Well, gosh. Um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank there. No, I mean, because, I, because I've started on something and I can't talk about it yet, unfortunately. Um, other than to say I, I am very interested in, in extensions. There, we can leave it at that. iOS app extensions, because I think that the, I think that you know there are certain interactions that you can do when you're outside of the app. It can help ease and, and improve the experience when you are in the app. And if your app is part of a bigger platform, certain interactions that you can do on 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 the device that you have with you, which may not be the only device you use, can can really help things a lot. Um, and I'm I'm keenly aware of that because of the the number of times that people say, hey, what are you watching? What should you watch? What should I watch next? That type of thing. That's about as much as I can say right now, which is already, I think, now that I think about it, a fair amount. There we are. It's one of those, keep talking until you feel uncomfortable, then realize that should have been a little while ago. Exactly. (laughs) Keep talking until the person listening to feels uncomfortable, which is usually only a few syllables. Yeah. Oh dear, so this has been a quick episode Thanks for listening everyone And uh, until next time, you take care No, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, shoehorn something else into it So I think I told you um, that uh, you know, I, I continue my involvement with the, the, the folks at Orange Grove And that uh, I guess it must have been sometime of June maybe of last year I can't remember uh, where I was a judge in a pitching contest uh, for for high school students, and this was called the Squeezy. the The adult version is called the the Squeeze, um, and I was uniformly impressed. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that I'd done it, but you know, uh, over the break, 
actually had the chance to 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 do some some one-on-one sessions with each of the three different teams and i have to say i was thoroughly impressed you know by 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 many things one is by the the quality of the, their ideas the second is the, the the quality of their presentation and then especially keeping in mind that you know this is their second language um although english is taught everywhere still you know to speak english and to speak fluid english in in front of people and also to kind of speak for lack of a better term silicon valley english is no small undertaking under any circumstances and when you see 16 and 17 year old and mostly young women doing it it's all the more impressive but one of the one of the 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 things that i offered to somebody reminded me you know it made me think about you or i was reminded of that when i was listening to to the discussion we were having last week about good engineering decisions versus bad you know good 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 business decisions and uh, i want to talk a little bit about about a book if i may please you most certainly can so there's this guy named paul hawken who uh he's been around for a long time you know he was he was you know one of a generation for lack of a better term kind of 60s era hippies who discovered on their own that business actually can be a powerful vehicle for doing good things in the world. So he he had, he had started his career at, at this company called Erewhon, which is a natural foods company. And this was back in, I guess, the, it must have been the, the, the 70s. And at a time when, you know, the things that we take for granted now, the ability to get, you know, kind of unadulterated food, you could only really ever find it in, in very specialized health food stores. And it was super expensive, um, and 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 but there was still a, a kind of a small market for it. That's, that's where he got to start, and then eventually he, you know, co-founded or he co-founded a company called Smith and Hawken, which is a type of rarefied, um, you know, gardening tools and home tools company that that basically elevated stuff that that you would have bought out of a an old-fashioned hardware store like a, a perfectly balanced really nice shovel that you would buy once it would last forever it's like one of those business models where you know, kind of you have a single customer for life or rather a customer who's a, a single product purchaser for life and maybe if you're lucky you might sell them one or two other things but that's it but that's where he grew up and then interestingly enough he had made the the switch to to more electronic things and i I actually got a chance to, to to meet him and get to know him fairly well because he's his office was at a time when I was the co-founder of a company up in Sausalito, um, out where they have houseboats. He had a company next to this guy named Stuart Brand, who, if you you probably don't remember him, but if you ever watched the Steve Jobs graduation in Stanford, he talked about the whole Earth catalog. Well, that's it's that guy. And so when I I met him, he was working on an information presentation system, which I found fascinating. It's just it was a way of 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 visualizing the links between knowledge. It was in in many ways, it was kind of building up what the original idea of of the of the World Wide Web when it was known as Project Xanadu, which was research. I think that was done by Jeff Raskin. Anyway, all these names. But what, what I found interesting and helpful about it is that. Here was a guy who had grown up steeped in the business of how do you get a a true mom and pop retail store to scale, and that's what he was able to do with Smith and Hawk, and he ended up it became kind of a boutiqueish thing, and that you know it was they would sell you know high value but very very expensive tools, and and a lot of times they were selling them to aspirational people, and I think is a, is a fair statement. So a lot of people would buy you know these great gardening tools with the the idea like I'm gonna you know transform my backyard into a garden oasis and not everybody was able to do it um and and so he had all these experiences then he went to the world of tech 
And what I found interesting is that he has this book called Growing a Business, which, you know, I'm, I don't read tons of business books. I don't have like this top 10 list. You know, you, you go traveling on airplanes and you see these, you know, the in-flight magazines have these top 25 business magazines you must read if you want to, you know, stay ahead of the game and, and pretend you're giving yourself an MBA. But this one book I did really like called Growing a Business because he he brings in lessons that he remembers from when he was a kid growing up. And one of the things always stuck to me is he's that he says that you, you have to earn the right every day to stay in business. And, and that in, in the kind of, you know, mom and pop store version of it, it meant that, you know, you had to choose very, very carefully what you, what you would put out on your limited storefront and had to balance between things that you might enjoy having in your store versus what people need all the time and is inexpensive enough for them to be able to come back and buy it every day because the ability to, to do these transactions every day is what keeps the doors open. And that, you know, when you're, when you're done doing the business of the day, then you kind of have to earn the right to keep your business in the community by being a good community member, which meant you know, being responsible and sweeping outside your, your, your shop. And I said, that's the difference between a retail business, which, you know, absolutely has to live on its, you know, its income versus software stuff where, you know, you, for one thing, you can kind of start a software business without having any income, which is a good thing because usually it'll get you used to what life as a software developer with their own product out in the world will be in most cases. But, you know, that, that is that different and that, you know, the, the, uh, I read it when I was starting up Memory Miner because it reminded me of something and it, it always dealt with that tension of what am I doing today to get some transactions in um, for, so that will allow me to keep going forward. And so it, it, it did, in, in fact, make me think about you and, and, and what you're facing with money, well, particularly given that you you have an existing customer base in, in many ways that kind of you have to do things that will, will do things that will kind of get them to keep coming along while still building a product that you think that will gather in the next customers. And I will add it as a link in the show notes. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it anywhere. I found out how difficult it is to actually get a physical book to, to Europe. Uh, and the answer is you, you kind of can't. <laughs> you you have to you have to buy it here if if you want some of these ones, and then go to the old fast mailing shop. So it costs vastly more to ship it. But I do hope and do think that it will help, particularly one of the women um, who was presenting, because she comes from a long generation of textile makers and fabricators in 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 Greece. And as you might imagine, textile industry long since disappeared in Greece when it went to China. But th that I learned something that there is actually, you know, when you produce textiles, you produce tons and tons of them. So there are always odds and sods left over. Um, and that even, in fact, one of the things that, that her family did way before anybody talked about that is that they would make new fabrics that, that were taken from odd bits of, of thread and pieces that were left over. And it would it, they, they would apply it. It was a way of kind of not wasting anything, but that it was actually something that was beautiful and interesting in the way that, that mosaics can be interesting, even if they're made with broken bits of, of glass. So I thought about the whole thing, um, and that's my contribution um, to, to our listener today and to you. So take it away, Scotty. Go ahead. Shit all over my, my, my talk. I'm not going to shit over it. That's really interesting. I will be grabbing a copy and listen to it. I mean, I do read business books. Um, I would say the vast majority of them are crap, um, I think would be the technical term I would use. Um, I think a very common problem in a business book is 
someone has you know fundamentally two or three good things to say they say it all in the first two or three chapters and then you read eight <laughs> yeah. chapters of them repeat repeating themselves yeah. um, because you can't have a book that's only um yeah it would be better with blog posts uh but sometimes you know you you read a couple of them that are that are very very good um it's uh so uh i i, I will take a look at that one um yeah it's uh i think uh, there was a business book I read once that basically said, from day one of your business, assume that, you know, he said, sit down and um, look at your business and say, if I was a bigger business, what job roles would there be to do these different things? If all of these things, if all of these things were really busy, you know, how would I break this business up into jobs? And then uh, you basically had to write yourself an employment contract for each of those jobs. And then you had to do regular reviews to how well you were fulfilling your employment contract. Because by doing that as a sole owner uh, across these contracts, you would begin to, if you were diligent with that, you would make sure that you you were keeping what you were doing within your business balanced. Because, you know, he says the tendency is like if you're an engineer, you'll go off and do engineering and the accounting and the marketing and the, you know, uh, general legal stuff, whatever, won't get done. Um Whereas if you've written out the spec of what you should, you know, someone who's doing the legal in your company, i.e. you, and what someone who's doing the accounting in your company, i.e. you, should be doing, and you review that on a basis, you will, you know, if, you, if you're if you honest with yourself, you'll see where you're, um, uh, you're, you're failing in this. Uh, equally, he says, as you do this, he had really good points here that, you know, as you're doing this, um, this process of reviewing it, you know, uh, begin to take notes of how you fulfilled this stuff in there. And, uh, and it said, what you end up with is as your company grows, you will end up with not only a, a job role specification that you can then employ someone into, but a bunch of procedures that they can pick up and run with straight away so that they can be fruitful in your company as soon as you start expanding. So I thought that was quite good as well. I can't remember which business book that was. It's a very, very famous one um, that, um, that I can't remember what it is. Uh, but yeah, this, this stuff about this, just this week, you know, I said that last week, oh, we've realized that, you know, we're making too many engineering decisions, um, and not enough business decisions. And then, um, we were having a conversation, it may have been back over the weekend, uh, about, uh, the website, because, you know, um, if we're going to make business decisions, then, you know, the MoneyWell website isn't brilliant and we need to focus on it. And I was straight into what platform we're going to run it on, what we're going to write it in, what technology, and, you know, uh, Matt said, I thought we were making business decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Should, shouldn't it be, what should the website say? Well, who should the website reach? <laughs> and all this, and, and worry about how we're going to build it after we've made those decisions. And it's just so easy to fall into your own natural way of thinking and, and worrying about, you know, is the website going to be maintainable? Is the website, you know, how much server maintenance are we going to have to do? Whereas actually, you know, the whole point of, talking about the website in the first place was because the website's not very good it wasn't that this website server that's running on isn't very good the website server is on linode and and, it, and it's fine um it's just the website's not very good uh we quickly knocked one up when we took over money well two and a bit years ago and we've never gone back to it um it does what it does for handling licenses and handling support emails uh, um not support email, you know handling um getting your license back and doing the sales stuff and has the webhooks and paddle that we use um uh, and it's a Jekyll, Jekyll um, static site for, for, for other stuff. Um, 
uh, but it's you know it, it was it was thrown together. Um, in fairness, it was because we were planning on not. You know, we were trying not to sell money well at the time. <laughs> and you, because, you were incredibly successful at it. And I say it's the most successful thing we've ever been at business. And, and you know, we achieved our goals fantastically well. Um because we, we had this, you know, we had this glorified idea in our heads that, you know, within three months, six months we'd have written the new version and, and then we could start advertising and marketing it. And you know, and it's and it's taken us, you know, as I said, two years to come to realise our stupid stupidity. Um in that and and in fairness you know we've made some decisions about um you know we are still developing the the brand new version of it but equally we're beginning to push forward on development of the the existing app to to take that forward and fix a whole bunch of things with it that we have just not been fixing because the new version is going to fix them all um well that's the plan as I said last week, we're very busy with contract work at the moment, so how much we're doing on it at the moment is a little bit a uh, little bit down. Uh, but yeah, but then there are certain things you do have to start asking technical questions. So you know the, the obvious thing that the obvious thing that is missing from Moneywell right now is is what we've spoken about now for eighteen months, two years is sync, and we've always been looking at putting sync into uh, the old system uh into the new system we did spend a little while with frankenstein money well if you remember where we tried to keep the old app which wrote to the old data structures which then transferred to in the new data structures which then synced with the new ios version and um i think we declared publicly we gave up on that because there were just too many holes in it yeah but one thing we've never done is go back because we always assume we write the new one is say well shall we just sit stink sync in the in the current one now, don't get me wrong. The current, the current app is a mess, and it's and again we've had this conversation lots of times. And it's not because anyone has done anything particularly wrong. It's just you take any code base uh, that is you know ten, eleven years old, and it will be a mess, a complete and utter mess. And it uses techniques that are no longer relevant. So the whole thought of putting you know we were you know, the whole thought of trying to build something nice, new, shiny, and robust into this old code base was horrendous but we did realize we've never actually because we were never going to sell this money well it had too many other issues but if we've made the decision now to clean up all these other issues and the biggest problem the biggest thing that was stopping people wanting the app was the lack of sync then really why don't we just put sync in the current app because surely if that works um you know it may not be everything we want sync to be it may have limitations it may it, it may have restrictions for the future um, you know, if you remember, one of the reasons we were going to move away from core data uh, to MySQL, it would give us the option to maybe do an Android client in the future. If we stay with core data for now, we can't do that. Um, maybe it would just work with iCloud, which means we can't do other things. But if it means we have an app that we can actively promote, market, and sell, and begin to generate revenue, and by generating revenue, we can reduce the amount of contract work we can do, our chances of eventually releasing the nice new shiny money well with the beautiful code base that we will make no mistakes in and will be lovely and um, unicorns and rainbows will want to use it um, <laughs> our, our chances of doing that are, are far higher because we've now got a sustainable product as opposed to this nothing but this dream of a new product um, so but that doesn't mean you can't not you know immediately as we got into that well why do we do this you suddenly come up with lots of technical things you still have to be technical but that Keeping your eye on all sides of your business when you're an indie or a small company 
it's really challenging, particularly if you're all engineers. Um, you know, just like it's very hard to run a business if you're all business people and you're subcontracting your engineering. That becomes really hard to understand the engineering process involved. So, yeah, there we are. I think I've probably just repeated what we did last week, but um, why not? It was it, if, if it was you know, enough for the half listener last week, we can get the half listener have it this week. That means our whole listener has had this information. Well, I think the other way of looking at it as well is that if you have to say it three or four times for it to sink in <laughs> for you and your team, maybe that's all the better. And maybe part of this thing is 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 we could call that was the money wealth therapy session. <laughs> so. In fairness, when we, when we made a lot of these decisions, and and I think another uh, another thing that's really important is to review your decisions regularly. Around there, yeah, when we made a lot of these decisions, we were brand new to the co-base, and and the money or co-base is incredibly hard to follow. Um, it's 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 just really quite difficult, and and that's not again, it's not a criticism of it because I think any app of this size with that large co-base is as will have things that are hard to follow. Um, and it's an Objective C, and you know Objective C has been, you know, like a second language. We just talked about it's, you know, first and second languages just now with with you know spoken languages. Objective C has is quite definitely become a second language over the years, so it's not as comfortable. I'm, I'm far more comfortable in Swift now than I am in Objective C. You know, and, and somewhere in the last five years that transition has happened um, because obviously for a long time it was the other way around. Um, and so the, there was nothing, you know, to, to work on it. So when we made those decisions, there was, you know, this horrible code base that we didn't know in a language which was now our second language and we didn't particularly want to work in. Whereas now we're, we're, we're you know, two years down the line, we have been fixing important bugs. When everyone's, you know, did something that is reported a bug that is, um, you know, important. And it, it, here's the funny thing. We've been quite happy to let the app sit there for two years and, and um without these major features that we think it needs, but we've happily fixed bugs for people. Uh, um, you know, so, uh, but, but we obviously know the code base better now. We still find it very confusing in places. Um, so it's a different proposition now. Now, yeah, we're exploring this. We may, you know, it may or may not work out. And I know I've, you know, and, and I think we're well aware we've had this discussion. We change, we have changed our minds a lot in the last 18 months and that hasn't helped us at all either. Um, but again, I think previous decisions to this one have been based on engineering, and you can always change your engineering decision because you can find a better way of doing something. Um, and that is uh, that is uh, a, a well-known engineering problem. Uh, I think now by having to filter every engineering decision through, is it take us towards our business goals? Maybe we'll be a little bit more directional in what we're doing. I say that with hope as opposed to certainty, <laughs> um, but we'll see. Interesting. So uh, I, I have to get in something before it, it slips my mind, even though you just shot all over Objective-C. I think it's important to note the, the past. I just said it was my second language. I didn't say I didn't say it was a crap language. I just said it became my second language. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, Brad Cox, the inventor of it, you know, passed away last week. And there have been some, you know, some reactions. And, and definitely I know some some absolute gray beards, um, Gus Muller being one of them, you know, a dear friend and colleague, Marcel Weyer being one of them, who, you know, who were stalwart pro, you know, uh, proponents of the language. But what what made it interesting, most of what I've seen is that is that, you know, 
this guy's work made it possible for me to have a career. And that's exactly what I feel. It's like, you know, I, I, having not seen any other real programming languages before Objective-C, I didn't have anything to say, oh, that looks so, so strange. So brackets always felt perfectly comfortable for me. And in the end, what, what, what always got me that, that to, to love Objective-C is, is that if it's formatted properly and you would have method names with multiple arguments and you'd put them on different lines, when you would go to pass them together, I, I, I described it visually as like this, this you know, uh, cartoon animation, the Wonder Twins, where they would bump their fists together and Wonder Twin powers activate. And it kind of looked like that because the, the five fingers and the, and the thumb together kind of looked like Objective C method with arguments, and that you know, push where you're passing the values in, and I always like that because it just would just basically pass a message or pass a complicated message to other, and then grant the the recipient power, and maybe you know the power might even flow back. Um, so I always like that. But it it you know what I found interesting about it was the little anecdote about how he met somebody on a scuba trip and and said. You know, so what do you do? I'm a programming manager. You know, I'm a, I'm a programmer. Oh, yeah, me too. Well, what do you do? I, I invented Objective-C. No, you didn't. Brad Cox is high. I'm Brad Cox. And I think that's so funny because this, you know, this guy, I, I've never, you know, I've absolutely never met him, never seen him speak. I, I didn't even remember, I vaguely remembered my name, remembered his name. But I thought it was very interesting to that, you know, it is pretty amazing that, you know, one or two people can have such a profound effect on other people's lives and, and, and. It only gets kind of noticed uh, when they're dead. So you should try and find out the people that are having a profound positive effect on you while they're still living and send them a thank you note. That's a very positive thing. Yeah. Objective-C, is. I mean, it's been around for a long time. I mean, it was first created in the early 1980s. I mean, every, everybody just assumes Apple created um, Objective-C, but you know, obviously, obviously they didn't. And um, I've never heard you, never, maybe you have, I, I haven't. Um, obviously, when uh, Steve Jobs formed Next, um, they chose Objective C for the frameworks for the um, uh, for the Next operating system. Um, but I've I've never read anything or heard anything how they came to that decision to choose Objective C um, at the time. But of course, there were very few other people who used it. It wasn't main scale. It was only I, I guess when um, Apple bought Next or Next bought Apple, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, back in the uh, in the late nineties, was it? Yes, uh, somewhere around there. Um, and, and then Objective C was brought into macOS that people began to hear of it. But even then, until the iPhone, lots of people had never really heard of it. I remember getting the phone call from um, from someone. I think it was. It might have been from. I can't remember who it was from. It was about nineteen ninety three, maybe ninety four saying, uh, we're running free training courses on this great language called Objective-C. Uh, you know, and my immediate response was, well, never heard of it, not really that interested. If only I'd known back then, that would have been fine. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> Ten years later in 2000, and, yeah, uh, well, 13 years later in 2006, when I'm trying to learn Objective-C, I was regretting not going on that course. But... Yeah. <laughs> But there we are. But I, I don't know why Apple chose it. But it's well, um, Scotty. Yeah, but it's been around a long, long time. Scotty, there's a very simple answer for that. You do know about the the famous visit to to Xerox Park that was made by Steve Jobs and and people from Apple, where they unveiled the graphical user interface, and they showed networking and they showed object oriented programming using a language called Smalltalk. So Smalltalk, you know, the messaging syntax from Objective C comes from Smalltalk, which predates it, and it was it was an invention. So it, you know, there was a there is a a, a 
uh, you know, a, a famous talk given by by Steve Jobs when he talked about what were some of the founding principles of Next, uh, the company, and and the Next operating system was is saying that, you know, when we went to 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 visit Xerox Park, we were blown away by one of they they showed three things, but we only really paid attention to the first one, which was the graphical user interface, but networking and object oriented programming were equally as powerful. It's just that we couldn't see it at the time, and it is totally true that you know the idea of of custom applications didn't really exist for most part because you really you know to to write any type of software required you know an enormous amount of effort and you have to build the the world first before you can build your thing on top of it and networking certainly in the mac world just was nowhere that was a thing for for unix and 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 researchers where it made perfect sense you really couldn't do it you couldn't run a research institution without messaging and you really couldn't you know networking messaging and you couldn't really build custom applications to do whatever was very specific to what you were doing without the ability to build custom applications and then that's where it really always showed its strength and i think it also uh, you know then from there makes intuitive sense that a a language that has the the some of the properties of objective c really makes it very good for writing frameworks people can argue about it as the best choice for for writing you know user interfaces dynamic user interfaces that that's i can leave that argument alone but i think that the, the clearest point is that is that how long is it taking for for all the frameworks that we still all depend a, uh, upon to to be rewritten entirely in swift and you know you talked about having to about having to remove code that uses patterns that are no longer relevant it is it is pretty surprising that that there's still a ton of relevance in these frameworks which are so fucking old but so good i mean and that's that's something i don't know whether that is a dying breed but when you think about about the constraints that were placed on on people who who created the industry and practice of software engineering when they had vastly less resources you know than 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 your average 8 year old kid now does have um, you had to make very, 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 very thoughtful decisions, and 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 you know, God bless them, they certainly did. You know, where would we be without uh, without Unix graybeards and the people that that created the industry that we still you know still use today? Well, that's the end of my speech on that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I do remember small talk. I never used small talk, but I do remember it. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you know maybe the decisions there that you know the, the whole object orientation of small talk was loved but it was just too slow and therefore the right. you know objective c being a small talkish version of c was that was an obvious choice if you were look if you wanted to use small talk but couldn't objective c seemed to be a, a good good next step it was and a probably a better compromise. one to be honest it was yeah yeah well scotty we're we're almost getting up to the round i wanted to say one more thing now that i'm in my new you know policy of of being thankful for people around me um don't don't tell sam or anything like that but i thought he did a great job with the funny editing of last week episode i mean he always does but i think it's 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 when then we have multiple you know supplemental segments from the false starts and that he was able to match me singing on top of their jeopardy thing i thought that was it was an act of love and amusement so thank you sam all right don't tell him that i said nice things about him though yeah uh, this week has gone so smoothly i mean he'll he'll be bereft of um bereft of creativity well scotty unless you have something else to contribute to the universe maybe it might be the time for us to uh boat this bass i think that's true so john uh yeah, people will obviously want to get in touch with you today and uh, thank you for being such a positive and um, 
you know, thoughtful human being. I mean, as well as being a lazy bastard, as we said at the stop, stop. <laughs> but other than that, all those things. Really. So where should they, where should they um, focus and speak to you on these things? Well, so one hand caresses, the other slaps. And so since we've gone from <laughs> slapping to caressing on Twitter in the last couple of, of, of weeks, I would say find me on Twitter where I'm Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And Scotty, if people want to... Uh, Use the iron fist <laughs> housed in the velvet club. Where might they do that? You can sock it to me on Twitter as well, where I am Mac Devnet. Well, John, uh, it's been a bit of a you know a grey beard growing back ourselves, and I sit here with a grey beard, and um, I think your beard is still darker than mine. Mine is definitely very grey now, but um, but uh, at least there's one grey beard involved in the conversation. Even though I will point out, you are older than me. Um, mm. But uh, I don't know why I need to point out. Maybe it's just my insecurities. But there we yes. are. Uh, but it's, it has been good to delve back. So we better let the kids get on with the things they were getting on with now that, uh, that the grandpa has bored them to death. So uh, thanks very much for listening, kiddos. And until next time, you take care. And get off my lawn. Thank you.